0: 2020 has accelerated digital transformation amongst many, many industries. However, retail was probably one of the most impacted and affected. I believe that we've almost witnessed the next five years of change and evolution in retail in the past five months.
1: Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people,
2: Welcome back to another episode of the WDS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. While a retail business might seem straightforward, it has its nuances, which is probably why it's often referred to as a labor of love. Either you love it or hate it. With COVID and changing consumer behavior, the lines keep blurring in the traditional retail supply chain. With the ever-increasing complexity of business processes and evolving need for better digital systems to provide the customer experience needed for the modern and ever-changing retail industry. In today's episode, we have our guest, Paul Sklark, who takes us through the retail industry's deep dive. He also walks us through how the industry operated in the past and what retail executives need to know about the changing landscape for the retail industry due to changing customer expectations and increasing need for better and comprehensive customer experience than siloed thinking. Let me introduce Paul to you. Paul Sklar is a consumer-centric executive with extensive experience as an omni-channel or DTC leader with crossover expertise leading business development, go-to-market strategy, merchandising, product development, marketing, and other brand building functions. Paul has led teams at Wolverine Worldwide, Rolf Lauren, Sears, Novell Brands, DeLonghi, Sharp Electronics, as well as Macy's. In addition, Paul launched a consulting advisory in 2019 with a mission to help startups and established businesses develop their go-to-market strategies and build their own brands. Paul is a graduate of Temple University with a BBA degree in marketing. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Paul! Welcome to the show. Hello, Sam. Okay, just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and what you are focusing on these days?
0: Sure. So I'll, I'll I'll take you through my career journey in a nice compacted way. So I'll just I'll just kind of go all the way back to college, right? So in my junior year in college. I was looking for a real job, and after spending, I don't know, 10 or 15 years working at overnight camp, my parents told me I can't work at overnight camp anymore because if we let you work at overnight camp, you might work at overnight camp for the rest of your life. So at the recommendation and advice of a family friend, I accepted an internship at Bamberger's. Bamberger's was one of the original divisions of Macy's. Okay, I never intended to begin and I never intended to have a career in retail, but hence my journey began. And I've come to learn that over the years that retail is a labor of love. You either love it or you hate it. I also learned early that retail can be a very simple business, and we found so many different ways to complicate it over the years. Okay, but retail can be broken down into four tenants for the most part know your customer, know what she or he wants, put the goods in the store or on the website, and tell her or him that you have it. That's retail. That's as simple as retail can be. Okay. But again, we found so many different ways to complicate it over the years. You know, as I think about some of the most influential moments of my career, I've had the opportunity to work for and with some of the legends of retail early in my career. And I've had the ability, I've learned early, that you had to soak up and absorb every bit of information and knowledge that was imparted to me, whether it was store visits or merchandising reviews or open-to-buy meetings, vendor meetings, or even elevator conversation. Sometimes you learn the most when you're riding an elevator with an executive and he or she asks you some questions or asks you about your business. Okay, it's kind of like a water it's kind of like a water cooler chat. Okay, But I find them very empowering and very educational. I spent the first, I'm going to say, two-thirds of my career in home, home furnishings. And then as much as I loved home, I often thought of home as kind of like a secret society. Once you get in, you can't get out. I started my career as a houseware sales manager at Macy's, and I'm proud that I was able to make it through four consolidations as Macy's, I guess, reshaped itself from a collection of regional department stores. To the national chain that it is today. Okay. Um, I think I thought at one point I was going to spend my entire career at Macy's, but I left in the in 1996, and I spent 10 plus years on the vendor side in different wholesale leadership roles. I worked for Sharp Electronics, I worked for DeLonghi, I worked for noel Brands, and then I made the decision, I'm going to say around 2000 or 2001, to return to retail. Uh, remember earlier I said retail is a labor of love. You love it or you hate it. A lot of people leave retail, and they move into wholesale, and they never go back. I'm probably one of the few people that kind of went backwards. I went retail, wholesale, and then back to retail. But again, I think think you love it or you hate it, and I've always loved retail. There is instant gratification. You work with a customer really closely, and that's what I love about the business. I have had the opportunity to work for some great companies. I spent nine years at Ralph Lauren. And then in 2015, I left Ralph Lauren and I spent three years at Wolverine Worldwide. Wolverine Worldwide is the parent company for Merrill, Sperry, Keds, Saucony, Striderite, amongst some other brands. And they have the opportunity to lead omni-channel merchandising, planning, marketing, visual presentation, and store operations. After achieving and exceeding many of the goals and reshaping Wolverine's approach to retail, I left in 2018 to advise and consult. This has given me an opportunity to think about the next chapter of my career, as I've had the privilege to work with great brands, retailers, and technology providers, and what retail will look like in the future. I think, you know, for me is I've been consumed and driven by this innate and natural curiosity regarding the convergence of both digital and physical retail and how that convergence is impacting the customer experience. And I feel over the past nine months, since the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated, many strategies and ideas that were still in test and pilot stage became the strategy. I think, Sam, 2020 has accelerated digital transformation amongst many, many industries. However, retail was probably one of the most impacted and affected. I believe that we've almost witnessed the next five years of change and evolution in retail in the past five months. I used to think that more change changed in retail over the past two years than in the previous hundred, but again, the past nine months is like nothing we've ever seen before.
2: So, I definitely want to dig more into a lot of terms that you mentioned, and I was not familiar with with a lot of them to be honest. So we are going to do that, but before we get there, one of the questions that we always ask our guests, and that is going to be what is your perspective on growth, Paul, what does growth mean to you? To me,
0: as I think about the industry and I think about growth right you're seeing you're seeing almost two things happen. You're seeing your large, big box, mega retailers continue to grow. Walmart, Target, Amazon, Home Depot, Kohl's, right? They're all growing, okay? Kroger, right? Supermarket changes. They're all growing because they've been able to continue to drive their operations throughout the pandemic and actually acquire new customers. Now, what they do with those customers over the next year That's what we have to think through. But they've been growing at a tremendous rate, and especially from a digital and e-commerce standpoint. Sam, I read an article yesterday, and according to Salesforce.com, total digital sales for December 1st through December 14th hit $181 billion. That's up 45% over the year before. Oh, wow. In the U.S., we hit $40 billion. That's up 36% versus the year before. And I have to tell you, retail, total retail is not growing, maybe growing like a half a, a half a percent total retail. So this just kind of gives you an idea of the shift between people visiting stores and shopping online. Brands think that 70% of their customers over the past nine months are now shopping online or in some digital way, one way or the other. And a lot of it's going to stick going forward, even when we kind of get over this hump and we get to this place where we get back to some kind of normal retail economic mode. How brands approach that going forward is going to be key. So I talked a little bit about these mega retailers, right? The other thing we're seeing is we're seeing growth and, a, and we're seeing resurgence in small local Businesses, And I think that's because as people are not traveling and they're staying close and they're staying local, you're seeing a kind of re-energizing resurgence in local retail, whether it's local restaurants, local boutiques, cafes, personal care places, salons, the local hardware store, the bike shop. All those places, we're seeing a lot of growth. And in some some cases, we're, we're seeing actually some small businesses starting to open. Where we're seeing contraction is kind of in the middle. So if you're connected to the mall in some way, or connected to a place where there's a lot where there traditionally or typically has been a lot of consumer or customer traffic, you're kind of seeing a little bit of a squeeze there. So I actually feel that as we get over the apogee, of where the pandemic is right now. And by the middle of 2021, as we start to see a return to some normal shopping patterns, we're we're going to see this. The bigger retailers are going to continue to get bigger. We're going to see a resurgence in local and the middle is going to continue to get squeezed.
2: You know, you mentioned the labor of love. I totally love that phrase and I wasn't familiar with that. But, you know, one comment you made about whoever goes to wholesale, they never return back to retail. Right. right? So so I would like to touch a little bit on that. And I don't know if my audience is going to be familiar with the differences between retail and wholesale. So, number one, can you touch on the differences of those business and why people who leave retail and go to wholesale never come back?
0: So years ago. Before digital commerce and e-commerce became prevalent, became as big as it was, you either worked for a brand or a wholesaler or you worked for a retailer. Not a lot of brands went direct at that point in time. If you were a brand, you basically sold your goods through a reseller. Okay, And what I always found is, is wholesalers' brands loved to hire people that spent time in retail because they were close to the customer. They understood who the customer was. So, what better way for me to hire a salesperson or a marketing person or a brand person, as a if I if I own a brand, than to hire someone that spent time in retail? I don't have to train them on who the customer is. So there was a lot of movement from the retail side of the business. And listen, retail again, it's a labor of love. You love it or you hate it. But it's a it's a rigorous career because at one point or another, you spend time in stores. At least historically, you did. And listen, store hours, you're, you work nights, you work weekends, you work long shifts, you stand on your feet, right? I, I, listen, you love it or you hate it, right? I keep saying that because you truly, I believe to be successful, you truly have to love it. You have to love the consumer. You have to love talking to the consumer, learning about the consumer. So a lot of a lot of executives or re- people who had careers in retail shifted the wholesale a little easier you, in some cases, you could work at your own pace. You sell goods to a retailer who then sells them to a customer. Okay, You didn't have all the technology and visibility you had today. It was a selling type of mentality. All of a sudden, I'm going to say late 70s, early 80s, you know, maybe mid 80s, that kind of started to change as technology, maybe even 90s, as technology kind of became more prevalent and crept into the process you know as a retailer we started using different types of programming whether it was early excel or lotus 123 if you you know rem- remember that in order to do our store distribution plans yeah, yeah as opposed to doing it by hand with a poisson distribution chart so you know everything started to become a little bit more easier and everything became a little bit more specialized as opposed to sometimes in retail you were almost kind of like a gen- you were almost kind of like a generalist to a point but everything became a little bit more specialized kind of in the 90s and then as e-commerce started to grow, you know, you found brands that decided, I don't need to go to a retailer anymore. I could control my own destiny and go direct to a customers. And then you had retailers that own private label brands that wanted to explore selling their brands to other retailers. So you had a lot of overlap, convergence and morphing between the brands, the wholesalers, and the retailers. Today you'd be hard pressed to identify a brand that only wholesales. Most brands, I'm going to say at least 95% of brands, sell direct to customer in some way or another as they wholesale at the same time. So I feel like over 30 years, the industry has changed.
2: Yeah, so that's a very interesting perspective and uh, it's very rare that I hear this from um, from folks. So since you are coming right from the retail and you have deep insight into the retail and wholesale industry i'm hearing that so i'm I'm glad that you brought that up so now going back to the convergence obviously there is going to be a lot of overlap newer business models newer channels that your wholesalers are able to explore your retailers are able to explore and obviously brands are able to explore so from from the business perspective it's amazing because you are actually getting the newer channels you are probably getting newer revenue You have the hold of the customer, but if you think from the business process perspective and from the system perspective, it's a nightmare.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Without 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 a doubt. And I think I think Sam, it's because, you know, when I think about when I think about the past two years, so to speak, and I think about just technology and I think about software. I would probably say over the last two years, between 2018, 19, and 20, has probably been one of the the most bifurcated periods for retail software. And there's so many different providers and solutions out there. Listen, as a brand owner or a retailer, I don't know how you keep pace with technology or really how do you know what to buy and what to use, right? How do you know what's going to benefit your business? No, of course, you know, you have your big ERP providers, SAP and SAS and all those folks, right? And they serve a purpose. But how do I understand what to buy to help me with personalization? How do I understand what to buy to help me drive acquisition? How do I know what to buy to help me talk to customers throughout the customer experience? There's so many different things out there. Not not to mention the um, you know, how AI and predictive programming, predictive forecasting is starting to, you know, starting to take a life of, of, of its own within
2: retail. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting the way you are describing that. In fact, you know, when you look from the technology perspective, if your business is actually changing on a daily basis, if you are exploring the newer business processes or newer business model on a daily basis, that could be a moving target. Okay. So even if your your problem could be that you don't know what exists in the in the technology space, the very first question that technology folks are going to have is, hey, what is the problem that you are trying to solve? Do you have a consistent problem that is happening day in, day out, right? So you have to define the problem definition. And if these business models keep changing, it's just a moving target for technology companies and also to explore the technology initiators.
0: Yeah, you know, I think between, you know, when you break down kind of the categories, order management, planning e-commerce now now there's mobile commerce customer service you know there's so many different providers and so many different options and you know 2020 and 2021 are going to be interesting so in 2020 we had really limited investment from a technology standpoint but a lot of offerings and the limited investment was you know due to the pandemic and you know which is the obvious reason as retailers and brands kind of went into cash conservation mode okay but as we look at 2021, I think the software industry is forecasted for significant uptick in the back half as we see economic recovery and bounce back. And what we're seeing, what's really going to drive that, you know, want a vaccine and people feeling more comfortable shopping in person again, okay, but you're going to continue to see digital commerce become more popular and more widespread. And retailers are going to start to re-architect their systems in order to support concepts like unified commerce, unified retail. Kind of that's like the next evolution of omni-channel retail is where we go where it's just one thing. Okay, It's just one form of business and we're not thinking of it in terms of stores and e-commerce. It's all connected. It's just shopping. And that's how we're going to think about the customer too. We're going to look at all the data. We're going to look at the loyalty data, the CRN data. We're going to look at all that data together because customer behavior and how we predict customer behavior is going to become extremely important as the way we typically have measured the business in the past from, you know, comp sales or comp gross margin or, you know, basket size, all that is going to be relative, all that is going to be rendered irrelevant, or not an effective way of looking at the business over the next few uh, years.
2: Yeah, could not agree more. And the topics that you just mentioned, unified commerce, unified retail, I think that ties back with the topic that you are talking a lot these days, which is going to be customer service and customer experience. So let's say, if we are to explore some of these stories, maybe from your past, Right. where you could probably change the customer experience for the customer or the problems that you faced. Do you have any stories that you might be able to talk about and how or what you would do differently in those stories? So I think the last two companies I worked for, and it
0: was interesting how we talked about the customer because we talked about the customer separately because we approached the business via the channel. We, we had talked about the customer from a channel standpoint, it was just because different people or different parts of the organization owned the different parts of the PL. So I know at Ralph Lauren, we talked about having an e-commerce customer, a full price customer, a wholesale customer, and an outlet customer. To me, it was still one Ralph Lauren customer. But acquisition and retention efforts and how we thought about the customer was diffused because we broke it down to what part of the business owned that customer. And we saw very little crossover shopping between the channels because there was limited crossover from a PL ownership standpoint. It was similar. We kind of had a little bit of the similar issuer you know, symptom at Wolverine. You know, Wolverine is a collection of brands, whether it's Merrill or Sperry or Saucony or Keds or Right or Chaco, right? We kind of looked at, not Wolverine customers, but brand customers. And I always wondered what the opportunity could be if we looked at the Sperry database and looked at Crossover back to Saucony. And maybe someone did at one point or another, but I'm not sure we really did it on a consistent basis. So even when you get into the brands, we even looked at in-store shoppers, wholesale shoppers, that shop that people we sold our goods to, right? Or e-commerce shoppers. So I always thought that there was more opportunity to look at the database collectively, to look at the brands and the database collectively, because, you know, I know as customers wear and use many brands, especially today, brand loyalty might not be as important as it was years ago. So I think as brands and companies and corporations spend a lot of time, a lot of resources and a lot of money acquiring customers, how they treat those customers once they have them, is just as important as acquiring them. And I feel I feel today that retention is not as important as acquisition. But we all know that it costs that customer acquisition that CAC cost is very high today, especially from a digital standpoint. And retaining customers is not as expensive as acquiring them. And once you own them and if you do the right thing, throughout their experience, throughout their journey, and all the channels that you do business with, their lifetime value could be tremendous. And I'm not sure today if retailers or brands are taking full advantage of that.
2: Yeah, I could not agree more. And there's always a bias with respect having heavy emphasis on the acquisition, and not as much focus on retention. And from my personal experience, I can tell you that you know, if you do a really good job of retaining your customers, they actually become your champions. They, they become word of mouth. And in the age of Internet right now, especially in, in 2020, 2021. Your reviews matter, your word of mouth marketing matters, your influencer marketing matters. So in my opinion, I think retention is far more important than the acquisition. Acquisition is obviously impo- important because you want new customers, but re- retention is, can can help you acquire customers as well.
0: Yes. There was that old adage, Sam, that it takes years and years and years to build up brand affinity and brand value, but with one or two bad customer service or customer experience situations or issues, you could take that apart in a day. Because exactly. um, I, And I don't have the data in front of me, but I read somewhere that when a customer has a really great brand experience, they'll tell 10 to a dozen people about their experience. But if they have a poor brand experience, they'll tell double that their poor brand experience.
2: Exactly. And I could not agree more, especially, again, with respect to social media. Social media could be extremely powerful. And with the kind of penetration that we have seen, I, I would say, in last one or two years, especially with things like TikTok, oh, my goodness, it's so powerful. Now people can act up by themselves. They yeah. can promote a video, and that could be viral. And I don't know if you remember that Southwest story or not. This customer had the poor experience. She uploaded the video, and the whole world knew about Southwest. They didn't want to fly on Southwest. Yeah, uh, so A similar thing could happen. I mean, and you are absolutely right there with respect to poor customer experience versus good customer experience. Poor customer experience, people definitely, definitely want to talk about. Good customer experience, they might talk about, they might not talk about. Right. But at the same time, nowadays, if, if uh, you know customers love the brand, they are willing to go out there on social media and they are going to be so proud and claiming that this is the brand that I absolutely love. Yeah. So- so, yeah, so definitely you are absolutely right there with respect to your customer experience assessment. Assessment.
0: Yes. I believe that social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, have become very, very powerful vehicles, tools for, for the consumer, and, and they are for brands and, and, and retailers. But they kind of, social media kind of flipped who's in control somewhat upside down. So it's almost like the customer has more control over what – listen, the customer always controlled how good a brand was, always, okay, right? But now it's so evident and so prevalent and so visible and so out there. It's like there's no hiding. So it's like you want a great customer experience to be out there, to be tweeted or to be put out there on Instagram. You want that out there. But in the same token, your bad experiences get put out there too.
2: Yeah. And in fact, one of the things that I, I would like to highlight here is going to be the, the magnitude. I guess in the older days, people did not have as much influence or as much penetration of their voice. I mean, let's say if a customer is mad, he might talk to their friends. Maybe 200 people might know about what... what yeah. uh, or or, he or, she or is. you would write a,
0: write, write a letter to the chairman to the Better Business Bureau. Today, you're not writing a letter to the chairman. You might write a letter to the chairman and then post that letter on Twitter.
2: Right, and the impact of that is going to be your stock price is going to go down. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly. the magnitude I was, we are talking about here. If I was a CEO
0: or president of a brand or retailer, okay... Like, listen, I'd be, I don't know how I would be able to sleep at night because I would be up worrying about my customer service team, my customer experience team every single minute of the day. And are we doing the right thing? Because all it takes is one bad experience with one customer to put it out there and you're in recovery. You're like in recovery mode. You're kind of like, you're playing defense as opposed to offense.
2: Yeah, don't agree more. There, with respect to your assessment on the customer experience. So, that's it for today, Paul. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance?
0: Sam, I enjoyed talking to you today. And I hope that uh, we'll have a chance to talk further about this because I could go on and on and on about customer experience and how it's, and customer service and how it's impacting. You know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for brands and retailers to monetize every part of the experience, every touch point with the customer. So, you know, I hope that uh, we we have time again in order to spend talking about it.
2: And this is the thing that I have been telling you, Paul, that, you know, I love talking to you because, number one, you are super real and they are real challenges and uh, definitely CEOs need to know about it. And uh, you have so much insight that you bring from the field. And that's what I care for and my listeners care for. So I thank you for your contribution.
0: Awesome, Sam. It was uh, great uh,
2: today. I cannot thank, I guess enough, for coming on the show. For sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Paul, head over to TheBeaconConsultancy.com. It's T-H-E-B-E-A-C-O-N-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-N-C-Y.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, You might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Michael Bagg from AMZ Advisors, where he discussed the growth strategies for e-commerce businesses through the Amazon Marketplace. Also, the interview with Chase Clymer from Electric Eye, who brings a unique perspective on D2C from the angle of e-commerce toolset and Shopify. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS. Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS podcast.